Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Now, yesterday we talked about uh, the big shakeup in federal politics. The agreement this week reached between the Liberals and the NDP, which ostensibly should keep the Liberals in power through until 2025. That's a different dimension to the conservative leadership race. Uh, certainly that's uh, shaping up to be a very competitive race now at this point, as uh, the favorite Pierre Polyev seems to have a real fight on his hands from uh, Patrick Brown and also Jean Charest. First of all, we get more in this report here from Global's David Aiken. Thank you very much. At a rally just north of Toronto, Pierre Polyev takes aim at his rivals. How many working folks can't choose where to go for vacation because they can't afford a buck seventy-five a liter of gas, some, a price that's going to rise because of the carbon tax that Justin Trudeau has imposed and that Patrick Brown and Jean Charest support. Poliev, Patrick Brown and Jean Charest are at the top right now of a conservative leadership race already crowded with nine hopefuls. Poliev has the most support in the conservative caucus, but Brown got a big boost last week when popular conservative MP Michelle Rempel-Garner said she would be Brown's national campaign co-chair. Brown also hopes to use the supporters list that helped him win the Ontario Progressive Conservative leadership in 2017 to win the federal leadership this fall. And on Friday, former Ontario Premier Mike Harris announced his support for Charest, who, of course, is a former Quebec Premier. Charest was campaigning Saturday in his old riding of Sherbrooke. The focus on Ontario and Quebec should surprise no one because this race is decided on a points system with each and every riding in the country having 100 points up for grabs. The electoral strength of the Conservative Party is in the 48 ridings in Alberta and Saskatchewan where Conservatives hold just about every seat. But it is the points in the 189 ridings in Ontario and Quebec where Conservatives hold less than 50 seats that are crucial for any conservative leadership campaign. Now from Global's David Aiken, now our next guest argues that this liberal NDP agreement, if nothing else, it should say to conservatives, that look, the bar is a little higher here when it comes to a conservative victory. And so it's important coming out of this race to find a leader who can win. Now you can read more at uh, The Line, the newsletter The Line, thelines.substack.com, the latest piece from Ken Bossenkuhl, a research fellow with the C.D. Howe Institute, a professor of practice, Maxville School of Public Policy at McGill, also was a senior campaign advisor to former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, and joins us uh, on the program here this afternoon. Ken, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Always good to be here, Rob. So when you first heard about this deal, and you first sort of took a moment to think about what this could mean for the conservatives, what were some of your initial impulses or reactions there? Well, as you know, Rob, I was around the Harper uh, folks from 2004 uh, through to 2011 when we went from having a minority government, two minority governments, and then a majority government. And through that period of time, uh, Jack Layton, you know, he initially did some small deals with Paul Martin, but his focus was on trying to position himself to be the government, uh, okay. to, for, for Jack Layton and the NDP to be the government. And I think after 2011, uh, there was a possibility that Jack Layton was on a track to do that. And of course he, he, uh, passed away, which was, which was bad for Canada and obviously bad for the NDP. But then I, as I was reflecting on that, uh, the NDP is nowhere near today where Jack Layton had them then. And it just seems to me that this deal reflects 
a bit more of a permanent thing. It just feels like something the NDP is doing uh, more out of desperation than out of some sort of broad strategic desire. And what that means for the NDP and what that means to liberals, other people can talk about. But my concern was, what the heck does that mean for conservatives? And to just sum it up quickly, I think that means uh, liberals can form government in uh, with 30% of the vote as a minority government, but conservatives have to win a majority to form government. Because if we win a minority, we'll have other parties across the aisle who will say, yeah, well, you guys aren't forming government because we got enough seats to do that ourselves. So I, I just think it means conservatives need to need to win with more of the vote than liberals do going forward. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um, and and we, did, we I mean, we did see that in the past, obviously. I think, you know, you look at what it took for Stephen Harper to get a majority uh, and, and what we've seen from the conservatives in the last two elections, you know, getting more votes than the liberals, but seeming, you know, so far away from from being able to govern the country. So what does that entail, then, do you think, for the conservative leadership race that's happening right now and the conversations about where the party needs to go? Well, I think I think conservative uh, members need to ask themselves two questions, and the first question is, which leader can build the broadest coalition uh, to get us closer to forty percent of the vote than to thirty percent of the vote, which is where we've been for the last two elections, and which leader has the broadest appeal in Canada? And then the second thing is, what are what if we need to get from thirty three percent to closer to forty percent? What is that six or seven percent of the population? What are they looking for in a political party? And you know, I think they're looking for a bunch of things. One of the things I think they're looking for, and as you know, Rob, I started this group called Conservatives for Clean Growth, calling for conservatives to have a credible climate policy. But uh, I think one of the things that that group of voters, the, these accessible conservative voters that haven't been voting for us, really are looking for the Conservative Party to have a credible climate change policy, among other things. And so I think it's even more important, given this coalition agreement, that conservatives take climate change and the climate change policy very seriously uh, in the in the days ahead. What do you make of the argument that this agreement between the Liberals and NDP could be a, a blessing in disguise for the Conservatives, that if the NDP succeed in pulling the Liberals further to the left, uh, that opens up more of the middle, more of the center to the Conservatives, potentially? Is there anything to that? The Liberals have been moving left for a while, and it hasn't yeah. it hasn't meant uh, anything for us. Uh, look, there's two ways, Rob, to win an election. One is for your opponent to smell so bad that people will vote for you no matter what you say. And the other way to win an election is actually to put things in front of Canadians to get them to vote for you. And I suppose conservatives can sit around and wait for the liberals to adopt uh, such a bad smell that they vote for us. I just think that that's an irresponsible way for conservatives to plan to win, win and form a government. I would much rather we say, what, what do Canadians want in a government? And what are conservative solutions to those things? What's a conservative solution to childcare? What's a conservative solution to climate change challenges? What's a conservative a solution to low wages. And there's a whole series of issues that the Liberals uh, have spoken to Canadians about that Conservatives need to ask themselves, how do we, how do we address those challenges of today? And, and that, that, to me, is the, 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 the much better way of winning an election than just waiting for the Liberals to adopt uh, such a bad smell that they can't win anymore. Yeah. Because if we yeah, do that, they point. just may just switch leaders. <laughs> Well, that's true. That may happen by 2025. Who knows? But I think you raise an interesting point because I often hear from listeners, you know, people say, I, I can't for the life of me understand why people vote liberal. What is it with, with people? Why do they support this party? Why do they vote liberal? People must be out of their mind. And I have to try to say, look, you know, you don't have to be a liberal or steal the liberals' policies, but I think it's smart to at least understand 
why people might be drawn to that. What are the issues that the liberals are focusing on that are resonating with people? And then I think, as you just alluded to, what's the conservative response to that issue? What's the conservative response to addressing that problem? So it doesn't have to mean copying the liberals on the policy side, but I think clearly the liberals are good at, at understanding what issues might resonate with people or what people's concerns are. Would you agree with that? 100%. Look, the liberal solution to everything is to make government bigger and spend more. And we can take those same challenges and those same problems and find low tax and small government solutions to those things and put those solutions in front of Canadians. And I have every confidence that when we do those kinds of things, Canadians will like what we've done. I, I look back again to the Stephen Harper days and Stephen Harper recognized that families were struggling and he, de he developed a cash to families approach that was up against a liberal, you know, institutional union run childcare scheme and Canadians said we want cash to families uh, over over some government run right. scheme and so when conservatives do a good job of explaining conservative solutions I think they're, they they win and that's the challenge for the leadership candidates today is not to just talk about yesterday's issues but talk about today's issues and talk about conservative solution to those challenges Look, and I think this this leadership race is an opportunity to have those conversations. But, you know, as, as you well know, there are various factions in the conservative movement in this country that don't always get along. Stephen Harper did a pretty good job, I think, of keeping everybody in the same tent. But you look at where things are at now. And I mean, let's take two front runners, for example, Pierre Polyev and Jean Charest. Can they coexist? Can their their teams, their camps, their followers coexist? Is Is there still a big blue tent coming out of this race, do you think? Well, you know, I said, I, in fact, I probably said it on your program before, Rob, that the central challenge of being a conservative leader today is reconciling the views of the people who vote you leader of your party with the views of people who vote, who you need to vote you premier or prime minister of the country. Yeah. And I think that the leadership candidates need to be honest with the people that are voting them leader of the party and say, we need all of us at the end of this leadership race to come together because if we don't come together, how in the world can we expect Canadians to vote for us to be prime minister? And so I think it's incumbent upon the leadership candidates to not just differentiate themselves. Look, at every political party, there's a time to fight and a time to unite and a leadership race is a time to fight. And I think the different visions is good and healthy for a political party to, 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 to have those discussions and have those debates. But at the end of the day, uh, there's very few golden rules in politics. But one of the golden rules I've always said is if you can't govern yourself, no one's going to ask you to govern anything else. And if we get to the end of this leadership race and we end up with a big schism in the party, people are going to look at us and say, you guys can't even run your own affairs. How the heck do you expect us to trust you to run the country's affairs? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.